bottom of the net. Bottom of the net. How's life treating you? How are uh, you? Man, I can't complain today. Life's treating me well. Um, anybody who has moved, and I've been one that's moved several times from uh, Virginia, some, from Richmond to Norfolk, from Norfolk to Richmond, Richmond to Tennessee, Tennessee back to Richmond, Richmond to Fredericksburg, and now Fredericksburg to Woodbridge. Um, this has been one of the toughest moves because I basically moved everything by myself. Besides one day, shout out to my boy Jared for helping out. Um, but yeah, dog, it's it's tough, man. You, I, either I'm getting older, we have way too many clothes and, and couches and a bunch of random stuff. So uh, my back's hurting, my my ankles, you know what I'm saying? Like I need to stretch out and do some cryotherapy, but mm. all things considered, man, I'm glad to be here. You know what I'm saying? We we officially in the DMV at this point, you know what I'm saying? I'm 30 minutes from DC now, shout out to Woodbridge. Um, but yeah, man, life is beautiful. I'm getting ready to go on vacation. Shout out to Jamaica, you know what I'm saying? Gonna be making the stuff out the country soon, so. Yeah, I can't complain, man. What about you? I'm doing good, man. Shout out my 504B, Emmanuel Ish, my Woodbridge homie. Shout them out. They probably never hear this, but it's still, it's a sentiment that matters. Congrats on the move. Moving sucks. I feel you, bro. It's probably a combination. You're getting old and you got too much shit. So it's just like, wait, why I got to have this third extra box of records that I got from a dollar a piece in the thrift store? Why I got to have kept, like, these two pairs of ASICs I ain't worn in like three years? I got extra pairs of shoes I ain't even seen. You realize how much shit you hoard when you have to move it <laughs> or like get around. But um, I'm good, man. I'm doing solid. Um, actually off of work today, had a four day weekend. You know, I'm loving that. Um, so just like figuring stuff out, knocking errands out, life and life. Uh, recovering from my heat losing. We'll get into that in a second. Um, mm -hmm. But first and foremost, this is Bottom of the Net. Thanks for joining us, y'all. We appreciate it. I'm Chris Best, your co-host. I'm joined by Tyler Dandridge. Find us on Bottom of the Net Podcast. Google us. We're everywhere. You already know. So last time we talked, this was before Game 6 and Game 7. First and foremost, I just want to say Jimmy Butler has really legendary status, man. The, the combination of games that man had, just incredible. Jimmy really just really killed it. Uh, pretty much gave everything you could ask for from a, from a star player. Uh Got it done in game six, couldn't get it done in game seven. I'm not mad at that shot. He did what he had to do. I mean, was it the best shot in the world? No. I'm mad at him for taking it also, no. So, you know, bittersweet ending to that game. But looking at it after playing seven times, Boston was the better team. They're better than Miami. We're trying to bully them, use physicality and, and veteran leadership to, like, overcome the raw talent gap. And when you have no hero out there, even when he was healthy, hero wasn't good in this series. But – Banged up hero, Bam didn't play his best. Lowry's on one leg. You know, we couldn't consistently get our five best guys in the court together for, for a sustained time. And that came out and bit us in the ass. So, yeah, the Heat are out, man. But I think this was a good season to have some reshuffling to do, some things to work out. But um, we look at it like this, like the combination of hero, uh, Lowry, Butler, PJ, Bam, play like 80 minutes the whole season. So when your best five barely play, it's going to be hard to kind of recover from that. And um, there's a lot, lot of soul searching for this team, but they have a good core. They have a really good core. So I think that's always going to be a good place to start. Duncan Robinson, Max Drews thing has to get kind of, you know, uh, settled down. But besides that, um, 
I think for the most part, we're looking at it. Oh, actually, the Tyler Hero extension is a big deal, too, because how much money we pay him is going to be a big factor. We already gave Bam his bag, but Bam kind of was here a year earlier, and it made more sense to max Bam out. Tyler, while we do value him, sixth man of the year, he's, he's worth $20 million plus a year. Are we going to commit that, especially given the showing he had in the playoffs? I'm not sure. Uh, I would pay the man because he's a very useful player for several teams. Every team can use a six-man like him, period. He's a great ball handler, a uh, great scorer. So every team can use him. So $22 million a year for this kid wouldn't be that crazy. But I also don't mind playing the DeAndre Aiden game um, and just waiting, making him play on it and see how, how he performs and then now determine his bag. He might play himself to a higher tier, but that's not really a bad thing if you end up having a guy getting 22 points a game instead of 21 a game, you know, whatever the hell that means. Um, but that's where I'm at with it. So, you know, long story short, Heat are no longer relevant for this postseason, but I'm proud of my guys. Hell of a season and a little hope for the future. So, Yeah, it's it was a volume effort. I mean, pushing this Celtics team to seven games um, and, and having a, a very competitive, you know, game seven uh, for the most part. You know, I'll say that. Obviously, it'd be great to have full health, but the fact that that game came down to the wire just shows you the toughness, the resilience, the competitive fight of that Miami Heat team of Spolster and his way and ability to connect with his guys and get them to go all out. Um, I thought he had a really great interview after the third quarter when they kind of already started going their run, but for the last eight or nine minutes, you know, of, of even the second quarter and a large part of the third, they could never really get the lead under eight or nine points. Tatum is one of these guys where, you know, him and Brown, they're great when they're up like six or seven points because they're going to fall asleep on defense, but they just hit a step back three or hit a pull up jumper, get the free throw line randomly, not a ton of action in the paint, but, you know, that team is, is pretty good when they have a lead, but Spolstra was able to, you know, get them back into that game. And I really love what, of course, Jimmy did all throughout that game. But I think there's three huge takeaways, man. I think the biggest thing is that the Celtics defense is real. Um, to, to basically go, you know, ha have one of the, the best records after the All-Star break and go from a 500 team to, you know, a, a top three contending team in the NBA is an incredible feat. Um, so much love has to go to the coaching staff in Boston, not just Ime, but their entire staff. They did an incredible job in taking kind of a fixed roster that had been, you know, rumored to need to be broken up. Tatum's not good enough. Is Brown a good option too? You know, is Al Horford going to give you enough? Is he old? Can Marcus Smart be play within himself? All the questions that they had, they answered them a lot, but really it was on the defensive side of the ball. You know, guys like Grant Williams really stepped up in this playoffs and emerged as a guy that can not only hit permanent shots for you, but be a multi, you know, positional defender that can switch and you know, again, already gave some love to Al Horford, but the fact that that guy's played the most playoff games and now finally getting to the finals is, it's just a really good story. And, you know, rest in peace to his loved ones. I heard he had the death of the family, but, you know, that defense is, is a monster. And I really, really hope that you have a full health Robert Williams because that's the type of playoff environment you want to have when you're going into a matchup with the Golden State Warriors. But, you know, got to give them the credit. I hate the Celtics, but, you know what I'm saying, I have a soft spot for the coaching staff, and I'm glad to see, a, you know, a black coach do his thing and get that that praise. First African coach to make it to the finals. So um, give them their flowers. But on the Miami Heat side, man, Jimmy Butler, I don't know if we're going to have to make another subcategory underneath superstar, but in between and over star. Jimmy Butler is one of these guys that has such a high ceiling as like a floor-raising type of guy for any team, doesn't matter who he's on. You know, he did it with the Sixers. And now again, for an, another year, if he got to the finals, it would have been two finals in three years where you're seeing Jimmy Butler basically will his team. A team that had a hob hobbled Kyle Lowry and, and not a great bench and surrounding players around him. So, you know, not enough credit can go to him individually as a player and then again to the coaching staff. The last thing, man, is like, 
Talk about that last play. Um, I've, I've never been more surprised by a last play in a game. They could potentially send one team to a very improbable finals and then another team home. Like, I was incredibly, incredibly shocked that he took swollen a Swollen balls. Very swollen balls. I loved it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be like this guy's like, oh, it's, it's you know, plus minus and, you know, a three is worth more in that time. I just like, he's played 40-some minutes. He wants to go for the win. He's going for the knockout punch. That's Jimmy Butler. That's the guy we know and love. He hits that shot. Right. He hits that shot. Come, come on. Make a little ultra. Just cash him out. Five-year deal. I don't deal. care how many threes he's going to miss. If Jimmy has a guts to take it, you live and, buy, live and die by that decision. And, and, and go home you know, a, a, a loser, but a loser that competed your heart out, right? Yep. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that shot, man. I thought it was really gutsy. And again, if he makes it, we're not having this conversation, right? Of course, he could have, you know, tried to take on Aho for a great vertical defender, you know what I'm saying, at that. I don't want to even talk about the idea of him getting hand one because there's no way that he was even thinking about, like, trying to do that. It's either go to the rim and, and tie it up or go for the win. And he went for the win. And like, you're not going to blame him. So, you know, shout out to him for having the guts to do that. But it was, it was a great game, man. I'm, I'm glad that Again, we're going to see probably, you know, the best team play Golden State and have a really tough final. So give the Heat their flowers and, uh, you know, congratulate Boston for, for, for getting it done. For sure. That was a bad shot. But in that moment, I somehow wasn't mad. Like, if anyone earned that shot, it was Jimmy. Uh, yep. Two quick things about the Heat. I, I didn't mention Oladipo. How that plays out moving forward is also a big question mark for the Heat. And Bam Adebayo, he played his best basketball when he needed the most. Game seven, he showed out. Game five, or down bad, he showed out. But besides that, he has to do better. But well, that's a whole different conversation for the summertime. We'll go there there then. Um, Lakers have hired Pistons legend, uh, NBA legend, Darvin Ham to be their future head coach. Um, I like the hire, but how do you feel about it? So I am, um, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I think that there is a world in which um, Darvin Ham is going to be a great NBA coach. Um, I think that he has enough credibility at this point, being a longtime Bucks assistant, um, having the pedigree of a very, you know, high intense, defensive minded guy, toughness, grit, competitiveness. He's not going to take shit from anybody. He's going to demand respect instantly. They want him when he walks in the locker room. And that's, that's going to be, have to be a defensive minded team, right? So You've seen teams change by their head coach in terms of their intention, the detail, and their level of, of effort and toughness and the grittiness. You know, I believe he could bring some of those things to the table, but the success of this Lakers franchise going forward is not necessarily, in my opinion, going to be due to coaching. It's going to be the front office roster changes that we can do to make this roster make sense. Other than that, it's health, right? So it, even if Darvin Ham is an above average coach and we're not healthy, it's not going to matter. Or again, if he's above average coach and we have the exact same roster as we had in this last season, you know, this is not a, a finals competitive team. And so I like Darvin Ham. I think he has a lot to prove, of course, for a long for a first time head coach. But it's great that he's getting to show and prove on the highest stage in my mind in sports. The Lakers franchise is one of the most storied franchises in all of sports. So the fact that he's got that opportunity is great for him. You know what I'm saying? I just think that we have more we have more fish to, that need to be fried. Like we have more, more decisions need to be made. What are we doing for us? What are we doing around the fringes of our roster? You know, who are we keeping? Who can we add? I, I'm hearing Zach Levine. I don't think that that's a possibility. We're probably gonna have to add draft picks to even get off of Russell Westbrook. They said that they're unwilling to do that. But there's more questions to me in my mind other than just coaching. Um, though I do love that we have got, um, you know, uh, some some fresh blood that's hopefully gonna, gonna give us some, some more defensive focus. I will say this though. This, this hire has to be paired, and this is no shade at all, we're just being honest. I think the hire has to be paired with a very high-level offensive executioner um, in terms of somebody that can can really add some offensive value to, to what 
the the kind of mix that Darvin Ham's going to bring. A lot of what he's bringing, to be honest, isn't going to be on the offensive side of the ball. And again, you're going to say, oh, well, they have LeBron James. He can coach that side. He can't. He's not drawing up ATOs. Like, he's not doing that. So we need somebody, in my mind, on that staff that's very competent in that, that specific regard. So I think the hire is fine. You know, I don't see a ton of great other candidates out there. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a Ham fan, right? <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what he can do. <laughs> Team Ham all day. Um, I, I like it. He's also, from what I've heard, seemed to be a kind of guy who's um, – Who's very in your face, tell it like it is, Tyron Lou, Ime Udoka type vibes. Um, so I think that would go well for the, what they need. I think Bron always needs a shut the fuck up, Bron kind of guy. Cause like it's LeBron James. It's hard to tell him, it's hard to tell him a lot, but Darvin Ham played against LeBron. He'd been in the league a long time. Um, so I think he's the kind of guy who has their credibility built in. Players love him too. So I think he'll, he'll be what they need to hear. Russ don't fucking shoot. You can't shoot. He, he will say that, you know, and that's exactly what they need. But they need to get rid of him however they can. But the Lakers, it's a whole different situation. But it's worth bringing up. Y'all got a new coach. I like the coach. Um, I like the pick. I don't like the coach because it should be Vogel. But if it's not going to be Vogel, this is fine. Um, McCullum, CJ McCullum, uh, our podcasting brethren, um, all-star level player. He is now going to be working as a broadcaster and a halftime reporter part-time for ESPN, doing in-studio stuff uh, for them, which is a great move. He's, I mean, one of the best basketball minds. He, the way he breaks down the game is very cool. He seems he's a very chill guy. He's at a level where he's been the role guy, but also been a star in, in ways I think he has a great point of view. I like the way his basketball mind works. I think uh, he's, he's a good guy. I think he's a good pick. And um, as by the way, he like didn't eviscerate Zion, but kind of said, you know, this is what it is. I think he'll be able to be honest too. So he's a guy that we respect a lot, and I, I like the move. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a cool story. You know, I've listened to his pod a, a lot. You know, in the last few years, and it's good that he's able to have a higher platform. Um, I think he's a very intellectual and well spoken uh, player, and of course, he'll be able to add that probably for some time coming. Uh, you know, Draymond Green has had an interesting role, um, being able to you know play and make calls. So um, I think it's a it's a kind of a new mold of broadcaster and, and kind of commentator that we're seeing, uh, the current player, right? So who knows how long that'll last? Uh, Draymond's already kind of getting some flack for his calling out of the heat and don't care <laughs> that incentivize them who knows but um yeah man i i think cj's great i'm, I'm interested to see you know kind of the tenor of, of his message and, and how he takes this this next step for his career yeah me too uh it's funny hearing draymond pod and um like mid-series you think, you think we're gonna get a mid-finals pod from dre that'd be dumb right that has to be a conflict of interest right <laughs> right it's no like if i'm steve kerr i don't want to control i don't want to control you draymond but I really think you shouldn't podcast after after being down two one before game four. Fuck you, Steve. I do what I want, Steve. Like yeah. Dre, I I hope we get a mid series pot, but it would be more like mentality where he's at, where his confidence is. How be I wish I hope it should be like reviewing the game. Don't give away the goods. Like you can't say like if I'm if I work for Boston, I'm definitely tuning in the Draymond's podcast and taking all the notes I can. But what they're trying to do, like he yeah. he can't pot now. He can't. That'd be stupid. Um, but we'll see. Draymond's gonna be Draymond. I do love the idea of him talking about new media and players having a voice and like uh, just getting more of a player point of view and things. I do like the new media vibe. I, I, I'm appreciating it because Reddick's been great on ESPN and, and doing his spots and, and giving, yeah. giving it a fair shot. Uh, but that's a whole different conversation. But I, I do like the turn of getting more players actively while they're working and while they're playing into the league. Like Jalen Rose did the same thing for TNT. But he, was got, he was kind of towards the end of his career. He was kind of washed. This is 81-point Jalen Rose. 
it wasn't like peak Jalen. CJ's in his, 30 years old, he's still in his prime. So to have a guy in his prime playing big games, but also being able to talk about it, good shit. So the moment we've been waiting for, the NBA Finals. Oh, I must say, too, before I get all into it, I did lose by him on the bet for that last series, but I'm still up on UT. So we're, we're good. We're good. I still need my cash. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah, but, well, depending, well, I guess depending on your finals pick, we'll get into that. You might have another bet coming along. Because I, I really, before this podcast, bro, literally up until I hit record, I did not know who I was going to pick for this finals. But I think I know who I'm going to pick now. But I'm not going to say it. We'll break it down and talk about it. Um, so we're here. NBA finals, the Golden State Warriors, the, the three savvy old Wiley veterans in the, in the, in the, the youth movement, and the number one redemption story in the league, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins. And then East, we have the hard scrabbled Boston Celtics, who for some reason I should hate them, but I can't hate them. I fucking like these kids, man. I can't hate them. They're, they're here after uh, hitting their head against the proverbial glass ceiling of the Eastern Conference Finals. And so now we got a matchup, man. And this is honestly, I guess, some of the most excited I've been for finals in a while, non heat division. Because looking at it, this is a very close series. Almost always, it's always underdog story. Like, Lakers ain't going to lose to the Heat. You know, Golden State with Katie's not fucking losing to anybody. You know, it's always been kind of like, you know, we kind of know who should win this series. We're waiting for an upset. But this is no upset. The lines are very close. Vegas has Boston as an underdog, but not by much. Golden State has a, um, you know, uh, home court advantage. You have a situation where the number one defense in the league was Boston. Number two was Golden State. These are very different and how they play offensively and defensively, but very similar as far as what their ethos is and what they what they value as a team. So I'm excited, man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say my pick. I got Boston in six, maybe seven. I'm going to say Boston in seven is my, my final pick. I'm definitely picking Boston. Uh, I, I like Golden State, but for reasons I'll get on later, I think Boston's a team that should be looking to win this series to me. But what's, what's your thoughts going into this kind of where you at, how you yeah, feel about yeah. it? I mean, this is a, this is this is crazy because I mean, this is the of the four teams that were left, right? This is probably the most competitive projected series that we can look at and say, all right, on paper, you got an MVP and stuff. You got a guy who, you know, let's be honest, I think Clay has definitely seen better days, but he showed you <laughs> in, in Game Six uh, the other day. You know, he could go off for twenty five plus. I'll give you thirty. I'll give Draymond you 30. is definitely yeah, or thirty, or thirty. I'll give him his love. Give him his love. Um, and, and then Draymond, again, is a guy that he's the point guard of your defense. And, and I love what Jordan Poole has turned into. And I think one of the big asterisks and question marks, even in the season, right, was what is Andrew Wiggins going to give you? When Clay's back, what is that mm-hmm. kind of three-headed monster really yep. going to look yep. like? So if, if you look at this Warriors team, I think that we got to kind of reimagine what we've seen. They're not just this kind of beautiful game. With Andrew Wiggins, they have another guy that's – you know, he is nowhere close to Kevin Durant, right? And we're, we're no, not even going to kind of make that comparison. But in terms of the, the the place on the floor that he gets his shots, usually at the rim or, you know, kind of those tough ISO buckets, um, he does a thing for them, not to the certain extent that KD did, but he gives you a different element. And I think the fact that he's been able to defend at his level, it just gives him a little bit more credibility to play longer minutes. I mean, he was playing 39 minutes per game in that last series. You know, I think if you would have said, you know, Andrew Wiggins over under minutes, I probably wouldn't have given that much credit because I didn't think he would be able to stay on the floor for that long. But he's he's given them a lot. So um, I think that the Warriors are going to have an interesting mix of players. Big questions for them is like, I like their bench. I don't love it. 
I think Jordan Poole's an interesting piece, but outside of him, I don't think that you have two or three guys that you can bet on to say, okay, you know, I, I can see you giving me 15 to 18 points off the bench. Um, I think there's going to be stretches where they're going to have to rely very, very heavily on Steph Curry. And if you look at that matchup with Marcus Smart, mm. I'm going to be honest, I think Steph's a great player and he's, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't know what to expect from this, this Marcus Smart-Steph Curry matchup. You know, I, I think there's, there's going to be times where MA is going to be fine with switching. But to me, I would love to just see Marcus on him and, and try to see if he can get over every. You know what it comes down to for this matchup? Officiating. That's going to determine a lot of that matchup because Marcus Smart's a very handsy dude. If Marcus is loud and Jalen was allowed to get into him chest to chest and really bully these guys, that's a really bad disadvantage for Jordan Poole and Steph Curry. But if it's very ticky-tack, like any kind of swing, any kind of thing, landing space, all that, like to the T, to the point where it's frustrating, that's going to lean towards Steph's advantage. So the way it's refereed, because the, the, the Heat Celtics series, they're after, they're after, like that series, it's a wrap, bro. <laughs> like they, they, Boston's going to win this pretty easily, but if it's more lenient, a little more whistle-happy, because that it was very physical, but still whistle-dominant. No, there's no Heat team here to make it messy. So I think officiating determines a smart, smart Steph matchup. 100%. And, and to kind of to that point, one of the things that the Celtics were able to do is basically shut off the paint and, and turn Miami Heat into a, a very inefficient three-point shooting team, right? You know, they're going to continue to bomb them, but they didn't have the guys that could make them, right? And so Jimmy Butler, you know, you're going to be fine with his matchup and stretches with, you know, just an ISO, no help, you know, shoot over top of his type of scheme. And, you know, it was a seven-game series, so you can kind of make the case that it could have went either way for that Celtics organization. But the fact that they were able to shut off the faucet the question for them is, can you do the same thing to this Golden State Warriors team who, of course, they shoot a ton of threes, but again, they dominate you in the paint in ways that you would not expect. So I think the big question for that is, you know, on these kind of off-ball actions, on these guard-to-forward, you know, picks, are they going to switch them? These off-ball actions, are you going to be able to go under some cases on, you know, Kayvon Looney, Draymond Green, Otto Porter, and then hard hedge, potentially, you know, go over and do all those things to buzz their shooters? You know, it's really, to be honest, going to be more of a defensive matchup in my mind. You know, I think that Marcus Smart, like I mentioned, can do enough to deter Steph Curry early. Is it going to last all series? Of course not. Um, I would assume that Jalen Brown can do enough to deter Klay Thompson. Now, I think Jason Tatum's defense in in stretches is going to be another, you know, factor that we're going to have to look into. Is he taking a primary role to be an on-ball defender to, you know, one of those three guys, um, you know, or Otto Porter is not going to be a matchup he's going to be able to sit on all night. He's probably going to have to, with some stretches, guard Clay or guard Wiggins. You know, I want to see what he does in those those times as well. But I'm going to be honest, man. <laughs> like you, it took me a while to make this pick, but um, it sucks because I, I hate the Celtics um, for obvious reasons being a Lakers fan. I really, for some reason, don't want the Warriors to win. I would hate – I don't know why, but I, I hate the fact that they could be vindicated for, you know – has this poor management and, and not drafting Lonzo uh, Lamella ball and like being able to, to guess their way into Andrew Wiggins playing great basketball. You know, it almost doesn't seem fair. That no credit. Wow. Been, been really good. No credit. <laughs> but I, I, um, again, I think, you know, the fact that they went from 18 games to finals, it's like a blip that we're not talking about. Like there's no, there's no way that you could have looked at that roster and said in two years, they're going to be in the NBA finals. And the question is, do they deserve to be? And I would have said, no. Why, why, why do they deserve to be? You drafted um, Wiseman with his two pick, and your you know your second best player is hurt, and you haven't done anything to build around them. Now, of course, they were smart to get off of D'Angelo Russell and get Wiggins, and that has proved to be a very smart deal for them. I think the big thing in Game One is we're gonna have to prove who wants it more. Your free throw throwing, this refs, the, the kind of third wall of, of sorts, is a very huge component. 
So again, for the team that in, in my mind played more solid defense, one through five, not just with, you know, a great player in Draymond, that's the team's going to win. Who has the best offensive unit? You know, I don't think there's a guy on themselves that you can attack, right? So of course, when Derek Rice on the floor, they're going to try, but he, I mean, he's a great. Him and Marcus Smart are probably, if I could pick 10 guys in the NBA who are best at navigating screens defensively, I'm putting yeah. Smart in the top three and I'm Derek Rice in that top 10. They're two of the best guys in the league at, at navigating screens defensively. That's not good for Golden State. It's just not. And I don't know how good Auto Porter is going to be. So with no Auto Porter or a damaged version of Auto Porter with a, a unproven version of Gary Payton the second, I'm going to call Junior because the second seems weird. I'm going to call you Junior or you're Gary Payton Junior. So GPJ, you got him after an arm injury. Also, this guy is not some established league star. This, was a, this, this season here was his establishing season. It was literally between him or Avery Bradley for the last spot in this fucking team. He got it. This is his first NBA Finals. Big, big spotlight. He doesn't seem like a guy who's very shook. But how is he going to perform? So if he's not performing great, no auto porter, they're food to me. Because Jordan Poole, every time he's in the game, he's getting targeted. You have to. You have to. He, the Mavs let him off the hook for real, for real last series. Jordan Poole should have been cooked last series, but the way that they play with that heliocentric Luka offense, which is fine, but the way they play is not gonna, it's not built to exploit matchups. This Boston team, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, the Jays are much more likely to matchup hunt. I've seen it several times. This Boston team is much more likely to get the switch and hunt. That's what they do. When in the, the day, when shit broke down against the Heat, what they do? They attack the rim, open threes for Horford, open threes for Grant. Yeah, I saw it over and over again. And if I'm Steve Kerr and I look at my lineup, I got I got, you know, Clay, Steph, and Poole out there with Wiggins and Draymond. Not horrible. Offensively, you're you're amazing. But if I'm Jason Tatum, come here. Come here. Yeah. Come yeah, come here. Grant, come here. I want your man. And then you bring Poole over, bring whoever's going on them, then he's getting cooked. It's a wrap. So I they gotta figure that out. I gotta see just how much Poole can hold his own on defense. I'm I'm really curious how that goes. So as a Lakers fan, it sounds to me like you have to pick between your all-time rival and your current rival. You seem to have embraced <clears throat> your long-term rival as a way to shun the Warriors. So not pick pick a side. You like not pick a side. Your your favorite pick a side to the side. Do you prefer the Heat? Oh wow, wow, this is bad. This is bad podcast right here, ladies and gentlemen. Do you prefer the Warriors or Celtics? Like, who do you want to win more? Not who do you think is going to win, but who do you actually want to win more? Boston, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I would. I would my, my basketball mind is different from this, but I would prefer Boston win for reasons that I talked about. Wow, earlier. black head coach. I think Tatum, the first would... African uh, head coach to ever be in the NBA. Period, and him going to the finals his first year. Shout out, email yeah. that email that man's winning. There was a there was a story, you know, Jason Tatum texts Kobe, the late great, rest in peace, forever Mamba. Um, I got you tonight before that game seven. Uh, he wears a twenty four armband. You know, it's some it's some Kobe love in there that that it's just it's unfortunate that for the Celtics and I have to hate the Celtics, but there's some Kobe love in there that I'm that I'm tying to right. Um, you know, Jalen Brown's a cool kid. You know, I think the fact that this young group has been able to do so much. You know, Al Horford is, is kind of the only one aging veteran that's been able to add some value for them. So, again, you know, I, I do believe in it. Here's another thing. The big line of the Celtics is going to be an issue because Kayvon Looney is, you know, he's he punched above his weight in most of the situations. But I think he's actually done a really good job being able to stay in front and not get be on some of those switches, you know, when he played in the Mavericks series. But is he enough to compete with Al Horford and Grant Williams and or Robert Williams in the paint? 
Um, they're not going to be able to out offensive rebound this Celtics team in my mind, if they play big for, you know, eight quarters out of this, the first three or four games, which is, is a guy who is going to lean into that. Occasionally you saw him play, you know, Grant and Williams, Williams and, and Horford occasionally, which is kind of weird, but he did it in stretches because they have so much other perimeter shooting. That was specifically with, you know, Marcus went off the floor in those situations. But, you know, I think the big question for them is, can they control the glass and protect the paint? If those answers are yes, a lot of that has a contingent on, you know, how they guard those off-ball actions. But the Warriors are able to kill you sometimes on the glass because they have four guys on the perimeter and you have no help besides your one big on the floor. So if, if they can get away with playing big and stretches, with Al Horford being able to space as well, I think they're also going to have another level of flexibility that the Warriors, to be honest, don't have. They don't have that forward. They can come in there for the, you know, Andre Godal is not coming in. You know, I don't believe in Kaminga in the series because, again, he, he uses his athleticism a lot. Um, I think they have more athletic It'd be guys. A big risk. It'd be a big risk. Uh, exactly. Big risk. They can go out with him. So, yeah, man, um, in my mind, I, I think that the spurtability is going to favor the uh, Golden State Warriors. So I think that there's going to be a blowout, right? There's going to be one or two blowouts, I would assume. Um, but I think the Celtics could potentially win this game one. They're riding high off of that game seven. I think Tatum feels really good. M.A. has a lot of faith in his in his core defense. And I would assume and hope that the defensive ideology of we can switch one through five and then we can also take away your best player are, are kind of, you know, tent poles that he's going to lean on. And I would assume that they're going to try to take away Steph completely. Marcus, at, at some point, is probably going to have to be denying him. I think that there's times that you can get away with that because look, if Kamon Looney's playing 30, when he's probably not gonna play 30 plus minutes, but if he does it all, they're not gonna guard him. <laughs> you know, they did it in stretches against the Mavs. They just completely ignored their worst perimeter shooter. They ignored Dwight Powell. That's why Powell could never play. You know, he, he averaged two and a half rebounds in that series because he couldn't be on the floor. So I think that if the Warriors are gonna try to play some of these either non-shooting threats or terrible defenders, the Celtics are gonna expose that. So I don't think it's gonna be a, you know, uh, a punch it out, drag it out fest. I think we're going to see some blowouts in some cases, but yeah, I think Celtics can, can still game one. I'm picking them in seven um, to win it on the road. It's going to depend mm. on a lot of things. X factors, you know, like I mentioned before, is Al Horford hitting those, you know, corner threes? Can Grant Williams be a factor on the glass and, you know, in the lane? Can he be a playmaker and facilitator? Because they're not going to play him and they're going to expect him to make those short road passes and really do things that he's never done before. You know, one of the, the best things the Warriors do is they make your role players very uncomfortable. But the thing about the Celtics role players is a lot of those guys are like kind of overconfident guys. Marcus Smart is very overconfident. Grant Williams, overconfident. It's, it's to their detriment occasionally, but I think in stretches, it could actually help them. So, yeah, man, this is going to be a crazy series. Um, I do think it's going to be a long one. Um, I would assume that in my mind, you know, whoever has the best defense is going to win. You know, I'm kind of going away from the offensive barrage that everybody's kind of selling this series as. I think it's more about defense. It's more about toughness. You know, it's, it's going to be who controls the paint and who controls the glass. So mm -hmm. I'm going Celtics, man. I hate to make that pick, but um, the, the the Jason Tatum 24 armband is the only uh, saving grace I got behind No, this no. Picking Boston to win is not a problem. Wanting Boston to win is the problem, but it's also a rival across the aisle, so I can't really blame you. It's like, well, you know, the enemy of an enemy is my friend kind of thing, like whatever. Um, something I'm, I'm kind of looking at, I, I do agree with you. I think Boston's size is going to provide them with a lot of advantages. Like, and it's weird because they don't have a true footer. They just have three guys who are 6'9", 6'10", Horford, Tyus, and Williams, who are all very solid to excellent on defense. And they're going to make it tough for Golden State to really get things done. Because you're right. I mean, Looney's a great player, but he's one man. And offensively, he's not really something you have to worry about. Besides, you know, split action passing and good screens and all that shit. 
So I, I don't really know on that one, man. A question for Golden State is we both will agree. Draymond, like playing the quarterback of the defense, playing the help role, kind of the, similar, the same role Williams, Robert Williams plays for uh, Boston. Um, Draymond being in that quarterbacking position on defense, that's impossible if he has to guard Tatum. So do you, are you going to live with Clay Thompson guarding Jalen Brown and then putting Wiggins on Tatum, letting Jay quarterback? Or do you use like, fuck that, I'm putting Draymond on Tatum from the get-go? Because I think the way that Wiggins played guarding Tatum uh, guarding Luca last round suggests he can probably do a pretty good job on Tatum. He's probably in the same athletic tier as Tatum. They're both very good players um, or basically match up very well. But at the same time, you need Wiggins to get 20 a game down near this series for really to have the best shot to win. So you expect Wiggins to play great D on Tatum and come down and get 20 points on the other side against a good defense. Or, do, or for the health of the defense, you let Draymond be Draymond, stash him on Grant or Time Lord and have him, you know, yelling, pointing at mismatches, that kind of thing. Like, what do you do? It's a tough pick. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing here is that you're, that question is to me kind of more about who you trust, right? And oh, well. <laughs> I'll kind of take that back a little bit. Yeah. It's it's who do you trust and who can you live without? Because I think that Tatum does a really good job and he's, he's shown improved. You know, he, he's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to put his shoulder into you. And if Draymond picks up two early fouls, I think that that could be a matchup that they go away from very quickly. Um, I would say that, you know, Andrew Wiggins is going to be the guy that's going to get Tatum early, right? So in the fir- that first game, he's going to get that that read. And we're going to see if he can do it, you know. And in stretches, you may see Draymond, you know, taking that probably in, in, in winning time, closing time, you know, two, three minutes left in the close game. But I think for the most part, Draymond is a guy that can't live without. I don't think that they're going to be able to, you know, play competitive defense if he's off the floor because he's been in foul trouble because Tatum got to the free throw line. So I think Wiggins is going to draw that matchup. You definitely bring up an interesting point about, you know, Clay. Can he be a chaser? Can he deter those shots? The thing about, uh, you know, Jalen Brown is getting a lot of flack right now for his ball handling. And we've talked about this a great deal already, but he is a great straight line driver. Um, he's a guy that can reattack off closeouts very well. Oh, yeah. Um, his, Terrifyingly his well. His, his base and the consistency of that is is kind of in my mind one of the most impressive though and it kind of overcompensates for him not having a great handle um the question for clay can you stay in front of Jalen brown ah, i don't know <laughs> i mean he's gonna need some help occasionally which is gonna help you know kind of the you know one two open shot system that the celtics have relied on you know they actually threw some dribble drive in there large stretches of the game versus miami and if if you don't you know if you don't help on a couple of those those actions you're you're fine but if anybody gets a piece of the paint, I mean, it's it's game time. I, I think that, you know, that matchup is probably going to be what they lean into, but I don't think it's a great matchup for Clay, to be honest. Um, I think the offensive rebounding capabilities as well of both of those big guards are going to be crucial. You know, Andrew Wiggins has been a guy that can play good on-ball defense and stretches, but, you know, can he close out and, and, and box out and get a rebound as well? You know, can Clay do the same thing? Those are questions that you have versus those guys and Jalen and, and, and Jason um, that they probably didn't have against other players so you know i think that this this goes State warriors team has a, has a lot larger of a of a defensive you know pie that they that they think you know it's not just jason tatum or, or bus you know this is a machine this this you know the, a lot of playmakers a lot of guys can get a piece of the paint you know and i don't think that the golden state warriors outside of draymond have a lot of options defensively that they can just say oh you know we're gonna put player x on them you got wiggins you got draymond and then it's it's record scratch so yeah, man, it's some interesting, uh, interesting things we're going to see, I would assume. And maybe some zone. Another another thing as well. Do the Warriors go zone at all? 
I don't think that they can unless they might know. have to based on options because besides Wiggins and Draymond, they have negative defenders everywhere. Clay is no longer a plus defender. He's I think Marcus right Martin, now. Robert Williams lineups, you can go zone, right? If yeah, they're both on yeah, the floor. Fair enough. With, I mean, if Derek White's on there with them as well, that would be great. But, you know, any lineup with that, you know, two non-shooters, I, could, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to pull it out. Um, will it be successful? That's the question. <laughs> I can easily see Jalen Brown playing better than Clay and Poole. I can easily see that happening. If you can see that happening too, Boston's gonna win this thing, man. They, 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 Boston should win this series, in my opinion. But I respect everything Golden State's done, so that's why I'm giving them seven. And they could definitely win too. I don't want to sound dumb. Golden State, it's a, it's a coin flip, man. This is one of those so tough to pick. So I'm picking Boston, but if Golden State wins, would not surprise me at all. I respect their organization completely, top to bottom, everyone in it. Um. I'm going to go first for the one thing this week because I think I always put the pressure on you. So I'll, I'll let you pick. I saw two movies in theaters recently. I saw, of course, Top Gun Maverick and I saw Men. Did I do Men for one thing last week? I don't believe so. Oh. No, okay, so you not. can pick. You want me to talk about Men or talk about Top Gun Maverick? You can pick my one thing. Yeah, man. I got to hear about this Top Gun Maverick because I've already heard some things about it. Let me let me get to All this. right. All right, man. Top Gun Maverick, a sequel to the 1986 classic, Joe Kaczynski um yeah man this movie's been done for forever uh covid kind of took it from the grip it was filmed in 1920 it was ready to go years ago so it's been sitting on the shelf for a while man film has been waiting for this one i was never a big top gun fan i always enjoyed it as a good bad movie like 80s like cheesy like this is it's fun you know they did a lot of cocaine they flew fucking jets they wrote crazy movies you know it's top gun but this sequel man truly truly fun i had a really good time i saw it in imax uh, highly recommend the experience. Audio crazy, visuals crazy. Um, they shot the hell out of this thing. Just an incredible movie, I must say. It's a fun ass, fun time. Like it's like a, it's exactly what you would ask for for a summer popcorn blockbuster. Just an all around good ass movie. Uh, the plot makes a lot more sense than the first one, but it ties back to the first one a lot. Um, won't spoil anything, but it, they they put things in place so it all makes sense. The way every question you have, why would you make a sequel to a 30 year old movie? Why would you do everything you might question? They answer it in a way that makes sense. And it's a fun movie. Had a good time. Shout out Miles Teller, Top Gun Maverick. I highly recommend it for real. Anybody would like it. And you don't need to see the first one to understand the second one. Like seeing the first one will help a lot with the wink and nod kind of stuff. But you don't got to see Top Gun 1 to appreciate Top Gun Maverick. And it was a good ass time in movies. Like, is it like an Oscar winner? No, but it's a typical classic blockbuster summer flick and that's all you can ask for these days so mask up and watch that shit man good movie that's what's up man i i heard a lot and uh my, my dad is a big fan of course of the the og film so mm-hmm, i'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm back from uh, the jamaica i'm gonna check it out you should um, man you got to yeah man my one thing so there's <laughs> it, a couple netflix tv shows that um, i've been super late to the party on but actually really really enjoyed and most recently it's one that you actually recommended a while ago and i finally gave it a look uh peaky blinders oh peaky blinders mike yeah so i actually watched this i started mentioning it probably a couple weeks ago and i'm into season three right now man and i gotta say it's it's probably one of my favorite netflix series um that i've watched in the last few years um definitely one that kind of it kind of makes you question yourself um, and I don't want to just be too specific, but as a man, you know, what are you doing uh, for your family, you know, in your career, you know, how driven are you to get to your goals? And, and it's kind of like an Irish gangster type of film, you know, type of show or series where the guy's kind of, you know, at odds, you know, kind of- Tommy you know, Shelby and the boys going at it again in the pub. Yeah. 
it's a really kind of thought-provoking show. Um, not a ton of action, but like enough. Um, a really, really thick plot, and I love the character development. Those are kind of two of the big takeaways from it, man. I'm, and I actually really love love the the Tommy Shelby's character, whose name I, it's eluding me right now. But it's a, it's a great. Show. If you haven't seen it already, definitely it's gonna be probably um, in the next couple of years, depending on what else comes out. So that's my one thing, man. I did also start Stranger Things. Uh, my fiance got scared during the first episode, so I haven't made it to episode two yet. But uh, we'll have a recap of that coming soon. So oh yeah. I'm also a Stranger Things fan. He did a um a really good job with this season. Oh, also shout out um Killian Murphy. That's the lead of um of um Peaky Blinders. He does a really good shot, job with that. But yeah, Stranger Things. We'll definitely do some NBA Finals slash Stranger Things episode reviews. We'll kind we'll kind of combine that. So if you're a fan of both of those things, you're in luck. But yeah, I, I like this episode so far. The season so far. I've only watched uh two episodes, but the first two were getting it going. Um. Just really, really horrifying, terrifying shit. I'm surprised a little bit, um, but yeah, I like it, man. That's all we really got for this week. Um, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. We'll be kind of, you know, recapping most of these finals right as soon as possible. Um, so just stay tuned. We got more coming. Cheers, y'all rocking with the best. You already know. We're gonna keep giving you great content, and we out. Peace. Boom, 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 boom. So I don't know if I.